Sean, and we're glad that you're here today. We have come from all different places of northern Kentucky, and maybe you've come from a different state. Maybe you're here uh, for uh, travel. Maybe you're here because the Lord ordained you to be here today. But we come into this house knowing that Jesus' blood made a way, that it's through Jesus that forms this family, and it's because of Jesus that we can worship together. So we're glad that you're here this morning, and we look forward to worshiping today. So as we begin, we like to repeat God's words back to him in worship. So would you stand, and let's read God's word together. It comes from Psalm 40, verse 16. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation continually say, the Lord is great. Amen. Let's sing. And we'll join all creation in doing that very thing. Let's sing this together, all creatures of our God and King. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Oh, praise Him. Alleluia.
So we're going to spend a moment just singing together about how good and generous our King is. All from you, 
Jesus, glorious. It's all from you, Lord. It's all from you. With humble hearts we thank you. With faithful hearts we sing out. Generous King, you give. Out of your fullness, showering kindness, you give. Generous King, blessings unending, love never failing, you give. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you us through Jesus. Thank you for your goodness. Poured on us through Jesus. Thank you for your goodness. Poured on us through Jesus. Thank you for your goodness. Poured on us through Jesus. Generous King, you give out of your fullness. Showering kindness you give. Generous King, mercy's unending, love never failing. Generous King, you give out of your fullness. Showering kindness you give. Generous King, mercy's unending, love never failing. Once again, welcome, good morning, and I'm Pastor Sean, if you just came in, and uh, we want to welcome you. If you're a guest here this morning, we hope that you feel welcome and that you get connected. Uh, the first way to do that, if you're a guest, is to fill out a Connect card. So in the pew and right in front of you is a QR code that you can scan and fill that out electronically. Please do that right now or later in the service, and that way we can have it uh, so we can connect with you, answer your questions that you might have. If it's your first time with us today, uh, we have a gift waiting for you, so please make sure you fill that out and then show it to the people at the Next Steps desk. Now, if you don't like electronic stuff and you'd rather use a pen, you go to the Next Steps. They would be glad to give you a paper copy that you can fill out, but we hope that you do that today. There's also a QR code there to prepare for our giving uh, opportunity later. Uh, but we are glad that you're here, all of us, members and guests. Well, part of our service today, we are called to uh, worship through song, but we are to be a house of prayer. So every week we gather together to pray for ourselves, the world, uh, and, and for what the Lord is doing through us. So if you would, would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you this day that we have been uh, allowed by your King, uh, by you, uh, our King, to come and worship you. You died on the cross for us that we might be able to worship you in spirit and truth. 
And Lord, I just pray for each one here as we have gathered in your name, maybe new, maybe trying out church for the first time, maybe lost and not knowing what Christianity is. Wherever we are, we have been gathered. There are many of us here who have been washed in the blood and we come to worship you truly. Lord, today we are thankful that this church uh, encourages us to be intentional about discipleship in our life that we are building relationships for, for building each other up in the word and looking more and more like Jesus. We're thankful for our life group ministries and D group ministries of where we're connected together to be encouraged to strive to look more like Jesus. But God, may we not be resting on just us learning and growing. I pray, Lord, that you would put in us that the goal is not just being discipled, but that we're raised up to be all disciple makers, to disciple our children, to disciple our friends who are searching for Christ, to disciple other believers who are new in Christ, for older Christians, to disciple younger Christians, as the Bible instructs us to do. God, may we live lives of intentional discipleship, and may we look Help us as we look to make room for discipleship relationships in our lives. Heavenly Father, we pray and thankful for those that we are partnered with uh, throughout the world. We lift up Alex and Alawana Brito, who uh, the pastor and his wife, and Elephant and Castle in London, uh, who pastor Mosaic Multicultural Church. Lord, they, they have gathered a group of people who are from all over the globe who love Jesus. And he's discipling, doing evangelism, working with other churches to push back the darkness there in London. And Lord, we are thankful for their work. We're thankful for the leaders that you've brought to come alongside of Alex. I pray, Lord, that many people in his church will share the gospel and more disciples will be added because we know uh, that the harvest is plentiful, uh, but the workers are few. And so I pray, God, that you would raise up more there in Elephant and Castle to reach London and the world for Jesus. Heavenly Father, we do come with burdened and heavy hearts as we look at the news and, and see, God, what you're doing and what, what is happening in Israel and Palestine. We, God, our, our hearts ache for the lives of the innocents lost uh, the children who have been uh, murdered. We, we see all of this aggression and, and horrible nature that has happened towards Israel. And Lord, we, we do ask, you know, why and how might this end? But God, we are thankful that you are a loving God and sovereign over every conflict. You are the king over everyone that every nation must answer to. So Lord, we ask that you protect the innocent uh, Lord, that you, through your perfect justice, would help avenge the evil that has been done against Israel. And Lord, help us to also know that both sides of this battle truly need Yeshua. They need Jesus the Messiah. And that, Lord, we pray for even in this conflict, the gospel will be made known and people will turn to your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray uh, for those people and those who would be facing conflict every day. Lord, give relief, bring peace, and Lord, return those who have been held captive back to their homes. We beg this of you in Jesus' name. We also pray, Lord, uh, for our, those in our 
in our midst. We pray for Wanda, Lord. We pray as she goes to the advanced heart failure unit. Uh, Lord, we know that COVID has ravaged her body, and, and we are thankful, God, for how you've protected her thus far. But Lord, we know she depends on you every day, and we pray, God, that you would strengthen her and help her, and God, help her to endure through this. We pray for all the doctors and nurses and medicine to come alongside and give exactly what she needs. God, you, the great physician, do a great work in her. Heavenly Father, we lift up Dawn Sousa and her family. We pray those, Lord, for her losing her mother. Uh, Lord, so fresh from when her dad just recently passed away. And Lord, we know that, God, with everything going on with Emily, we, we pray, Lord, uh, God, you would ordain every step, that you would be with Mike, you would help us as a church family come alongside of him as, as we, as, as she travels. We just pray that all the anxieties and worries would just wash away. Lord, we pray this morning that, God, that you'd be with her as she brings a sense of hope and healing to the family because we know that, Lord, she has been given the gospel and she's been saved. So going to a family that many don't know Jesus, we pray that she would be a light, a light in that moment. And, God, that you would help her as she struggles and deals with all of these emotions. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that we are here. And God, may we admit to you, Lord, this morning that, that we don't have it all together. And we don't do what we want to do. And God, we know and say and value intentional discipleship. But we know that there's often that we don't take the moment with our child uh, to disciple them when we should. Uh, we know that there are times that when it's for life group or D group, we might not take that extra step to clear our calendar, that we don't make room in our lives for discipling others. And God, we admit fully uh, that we don't, aren't faithful in discipleship like we are. But God, knowing you and knowing your Bible and knowing your word, that the same Savior who saves us tells us that we can confess and that we are forgiven and that we rest in that even when we fail we know that you are faithful so Lord as we continue help us to know and help us to celebrate a Savior who saves us a Savior who forgives us and a Savior who is great we ask this in Jesus name Amen we want to continue and think about this and mull over this salvation and forgiveness that we find through Jesus to cover our sins and our failures. We find this in Luke chapter 7, verse 48 through 50. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those who were at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Isn't it wonderful to, know, wonderful to know our faith in Jesus saves, amen? Let's stand and sing of that great news. around. 
say that, we sing that because it's true. Without Jesus, we have nothing. And so we make this our prayer that to tell God just that we need him. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're no one that guides my heart. Lord, I
in your devices or a copy of God's Word or in the Pew Bible, if you would like to follow along, to page 1040. And we are going to continue our series that we began last week in the book of Philippians, if you cannot tell by the video. We are going to read uh, beginning in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, and uh, we're going to go to the end of the chapter. We began last week looking at the cause for joy and stating very clearly that joy is possible. Joy is possible for those who are saved by grace. Joy is possible for the believer. And as a matter of fact, joy is the default of the believer. That we know that in Christ, we can be joyous in all things. We're going to talk a little bit more about, let's kind of recap a little bit here in just a minute. But we're going to look at how Paul shared with us how joy can come in suffering. And how can we have joy in suffering? Let's look uh, beginning in verse 12 of chapter 1. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even speak the word fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish and ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, because I know this is will lead to my salvation through your prayers, and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh... This means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I'm torn between the two. I long to depart to be with Christ, which is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in faith. So that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. Just one thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come to see you or I'm absent, I will hear about you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened away, by your opponents this is the sign of destruction for them but for your, of your salvation and this is from God for it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf not only to believe in him but also to suffer for him since you are engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had and now hear that I have let us pray 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, as fresh as today's headlines, but written thousands of years ago without error for us as your children, that we might know you well, and that we might be encouraged in our faith, but that we might look like Jesus. So Lord, as we grow in wisdom and in knowledge, may we also live a life worthy. Use these words to help encourage us, strengthen us, correct us, rebuke us, and train us in this worthy living. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. I remember one night as a child that I was, I just was stirred to be awake. And you know how you're kind of catching yourself, you're waking up, and you, you look, and, and I looked, and I saw a shadow of a very disturbing figure against my wall. So what did I do? Well, I used the strategy, play possum. Don't move, don't hardly breathe, but inside of me, my heart was running very fast. What is that shape? Who is that person in my room? What am I going to do? If I lay still, maybe they'll go away. Maybe they'll think I'm already dead, so they'll, they'll just go on. Maybe the, what, whatever's happening, my strategy was just stay still. And then I realized that maybe I could get the act of surprise. And so I, I, I waited and got enough courage, and I jumped out of bed, turned on the light, and ah! Well, I turned. It was not a person in my room. I had left a G.I. Joe on my nightlight, and that shadow was looming over my bed. Have you had a moment like that when there is something that has scared you? There was a, uh, there was a time we had a noise in our basement that we thought was a, a, an animal down there and turned to find out it was, well, it was a, a mice in our wall that we had to deal with, and we thought it was a, a grizzly bear down there. It was so loud. Maybe there was something that has happened to you that there was a noise, but it was a, a tree's branches going against the window. And all you had to do was get a new perspective. You had to turn some light on the situation and you found out that it wasn't as bad as you thought it was going to be. Well, friends, that is the same thing that we need to do in the midst of our troubles. We can be scared when we're in the midst of suffering. We think the worst. We think it's never going to end. We think it's horrible. And then we turn the light of Jesus the truth of the gospel and we see that it's really not as bad as it seems that it's going to be we all need a new perspective when it comes to joy and suffering as Christians we're taught in the scriptures that we can have a deep joy that comes from having a relationship with Jesus. It is not natural. It doesn't come from us by being people who are just happy-go-lucky. It is because Christ resides in us. The joy that the Bible speaks about is a joy that is not the happiness that the world uh, speaks about or teaches that is based upon circumstances and time and what's going on in the moment. It is not something that can be stolen from us. It is a, a never-ending deep and bold joy because of knowing Christ and amazingly it's possible for all of us in Christ 
And amazingly, even more so, the Bible tells us that joy is possible even in suffering. You see, the Bible says throughout that Jesus says, expect, when you're a follower of me, to expect various trials. James writes uh, in uh, chapter 1, verse 2, he says, consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13, Peter writes, Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may rejoice with a great joy when his glory is revealed. We don't like reading those verses. We like them now when we're not in suffering, but it's hard when we are in suffering. But this is the consistent teaching of Scripture. Rejoice when you're in suffering with a great joy, he says. But you know who wrote on joy more than anyone else? Paul. What was Paul's story? We wrote it in Romans and Colossians, the letter to the Corinthians, and now to the Philippians church. Paul says to rejoice, that I can rejoice. How could this be? We know Paul's story. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, five times I was received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods, once receiving a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I have spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers, toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold without clothing, and not to mention other things, there is daily pressure on me, my concern for all the churches. And Paul writes over and over and over again in your sufferings rejoice Paul says I am rejoicing now how can this be Paul is writing to the Philippians from jail in Rome Paul is saying that Christians can be joyous in suffering Christianity takes trials and sufferings and troubles seriously. Yet according to Paul, joy is possible in the midst of suffering. Christianity is not denying suffering. Christianity is not pretending that it's not real. Christianity isn't saying try to escape our problems. Rather, we find the perspective of God and that we depend on him and the gospel truth of Jesus Christ that emanates joy within us in the midst of suffering. Paul writes to the Philippians and shows us today that joy is possible in the midst of suffering. Can I ask you, what would it take to cause you to adopt the same perspective as Paul? What would it take for you to have joy in suffering? Friend, we 
believe in the sovereignty of God and we believe that you are here and that I am here and that I've had to study this all week because God is telling Sean that joy is possible in the midst of suffering and you're here today because God wants you to know that joy is possible in suffering. Why is that? Is it because you're facing suffering and you need the encouraging words of Christ? Maybe you're the type of person who is always the half, the glass half empty type of person. And God is telling you that you need to find joy in your suffering, not always looking to discouragement. Maybe someone even recently told you and encouraged you. Maybe someone real close to you, your spouse or your, your friend or your D group member or your life group leader or someone who knows you and you said, and they said, there's just something off. Are you okay? You don't seem to have the joy you normally have. Well, maybe, brother or sister, you need a new perspective in your suffering and be reminded to joy. In this text, I believe there are three ways that we can have joy that Paul points us to, that Paul found joy in his present circumstances, that joy that Paul found joy in his future that was to come, but that joy also is found as we live a life worthy. So let's see these three things together. If you're taking notes on the bulletin or in your phone, number one, you can have joy in your suffering with a gospel perspective of your present. You can have joy in your suffering with a gospel perspective of your present. Verse 12 through 18, he says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard to everyone else that in my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even to speak the word more fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely thinking that will cause trouble in my imprisonment. But what does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Friends, we need to have a gospel perspective on our present. Paul begins and jumps right in as he speaks of the details of his life. There's a lot that he's left out, and he figures that Epaphroditus could tell them and fill them in when, they, when he gets back. Instead, he talks about his life in prison. Paul takes a different approach. He, he highlights how he has found joy while in prison. Just like Paul, we need to be reminded that our present suffering is an, op an opportunity for the advancement of the gospel. Paul sees what is happening, not in just his, the, the horrible thing that is happening to him, he steps back and looks with the eyes of God and the gospel to see, look, even in my present circumstance of suffering, God is at work. The gospel is going forward. People are 
being saved. And this perspective helps him to have joy. What does he see this, or how does he see this? Well, number one, a new audience for the gospel is found. Paul is taken to prison. And what does he say? That the entire imperial guard has heard about Jesus. Now, get this. These people worked overnight all the time. They were in Rome. They might have never met a Christian before. And by God's sovereignty, he put in prison Paul. And all day, all night, these guards are listening and seeing and hearing the gospel from Paul. Imagine that, that these people who might not have ever heard about Jesus, maybe they had three people a day or four people a day rotate through his house over a week. That's 28 guards over two years. That's the entire imperial guards. They would have probably never met a Christian in their entire life Yet, they wouldn't have heard the gospel without guarding the gospel. They had some God ordained for that, for that Christian, Paul, to be around them. Brother and sister, think about the situation when you go into suffering, how God may be opening doors to people who might not otherwise hear about Jesus. I had a friend a long time ago, who had an awful situation. Their child was born and was in the NICU for months. We prayed, had horrible times. I mean, it was life-threatening. It was touch and go several times. But, but as it cleared, they, they were staying there for months on end. This couple came back, and one of the things that they found out was in the midst of this pain and suffering, they saw that God opened doors to the gospel to other people in the NICU. That this Christian family was able to walk across the waiting room to other parents who were waiting for their child to come out of the NICU. That they were fearful, not knowing what was going to happen, but they were able to pray and give the gospel to them. That, that they were being able to be encouraged and nurses and doctors that they would have never met walking the streets, but they were able to talk about how Jesus is important to them and that no matter what happens, whether their child lives or dies, their hope is in Jesus. Friends, we need to be reminded that suffering could be the door that opens our way for people to hear the gospel. Not just that, Paul also sees that it is through this that people boldly shared Christ. We need to be careful that sometimes that we get quiet. One of the ways that Satan wants us to behave, that when we're suffering, is that we remain quiet. But what did Paul say to the Thessalonian church in chapter 2, verse 2 through 4? He says, on the contrary, after we had previously suffered and were treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. For exhortation didn't come from error or impurity or intent or to deceive. Instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please people, but rather God who examines our hearts. 
Brothers and sisters, when we have a, a gospel view of our present circumstances, we see that it is our time to speak about Jesus, not to be quiet, and that God is doing things to open doors for people who have not seen the gospel. But secondly, the gospel is being preached. Paul talks about people who are preaching the gospel. He goes to this great length about how his imprisonment has emboldened people that the gospel is true, that they are preaching the gospel even more boldly instead of being fearful that it might happen to them. Instead, they are being bold in preaching Christ. But then he says, there are some people who are doing it in a bad way out of selfish ambition hoping that it might cause me to be even more harmed. And he said, I could be really discouraged about that. But how does it, I love this. He says, verse 18, what does it matter? Christ is being preached. That I am being uh, that I've been in this prison, that, I've, that I'm sometimes starving, that people are speaking out against me, that, but no matter what, the gospel is being preached. How radical this perspective. He's lost his freedom. He's lost his opportunity to go, but, uh, and some who are trying to, to go against his reputation, and Paul just says, who cares? The gospel is being proclaimed. Christ is being preached. I'm thrilled. Gospel helps us to have perspective, even when it comes, harm comes to us, even if harm comes from other Christians. If God means these things for the sake of the gospel, God is working and accomplishing his good purposes through this suffering. So, friend, where has God put you? What circumstance may have you been put in? Not in prison, because you're here today, but you may be somewhere where you may not want to be. Horrible job. We won't tell them, but horrible roommates. A bad boss. Frustrated at home. Consider that God does not put you where you are for your personal comfort, satisfaction, your resume builder. No, God has put you there to advance the gospel. And you need to be reminded that even in su suffering that you need to share Jesus. Perhaps you should ask, are there people that won't hear the gospel? unless I get uncomfortable. Maybe there's something that's going on in your, that you see that there is a group of people that you need to get to and that it will cause you giving away a lot and putting yourself in suffering circumstances or just out of your present comfort zone. Maybe that means for some of you moving into areas that the gospel isn't proclaimed easily, like the Middle East or Central Asia. Maybe you need to rearrange your life to be available in places where there aren't Christians or there aren't conservatives who hold to the Bible, maybe in a liberal academy or social work. Some of you, it's changing your job to be more available for your, to, to our church, to reach more people here. But it will cause you suffering to do so in some way, shape, or form. 
instead of looking at how unsatisfying your life is, how difficult things are, maybe you need to look with joy through the gospel lens. Instead of walking around like Eeyore or a grumpy dwarf or a grouchy smurf, you need to look at what good news is of the gospel that's happening and what you can do. You know, I'm around moms at times, not by myself, but at soccer practice or different things, and I hear things a lot about how moms wish they could be doing more, whether they're in the workplace or whether they're in the home. And, and you know what I find that happens often is that moms really shrink the amount that they're accomplishing for God and the gospel. Could you do me a favor? If your mom or a woman was significant in you coming to faith in Jesus Christ, would you stand? I'm standing. If your mom or, or a woman or... Hey, moms, look around. Your role is important. And it's imperative for the sake of the gospel. You can be seated. Wherever you are, God is advancing the gospel. And don't be discouraged when suffering comes your way. Number two. You can have joy in suffering with a gospel perspective of your future. A gospel perspective of your future. Paul, at the end of verse 18, and this is where I think sometimes human numbers and different things can kind of get in the way of understanding. At the end of verse 18, it's the second, yes, and I will continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether it's by life or death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I'm torn between the two. I long to depart to be with Christ, for it's far better, but remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded by this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that you, because of my continuing, sorry, my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. Look at this, how Paul has found perspective or gospel hope in their future in his future paul sees that joy and suffering because the right perspective we understand that god holds our future he begins reiterating at the verse uh, verse at the beginning of verse 18 and 19 that he will continue to rejoice no matter the outcome what he's saying is, is no matter whether I stay in prison for the rest of my life, or I come to you, or I die, I'm winning. Whatever happens in all three of those situations, I'm winning. Isn't that amazing? That he understands that whether he's successful in this life or whether he dies, that the reward is the same. In verse 19, 
we help see a glimpse of this because it's saying in verse 19 that he says, because this will lead to my salvation. Well, what is he quoting there? Well, he's quoting Job 13, verse 5 through 16. You, 15 through 16, you probably know the story of Job. Job was tested by Satan and that Satan would take everything away from him and he took everything away, but he says, I will not, I will trust in God. And then he says this, even if he kills me, I will hope in him. I will still defend my ways before him. Yes, this will result in my deliverance. See, Paul is not worried about his future. Christ will be exalted in his life and death. And in the Philippians, his life means life and death. He faces his future knowing that life is not about his comfort or ease, but Christ he boldly states this that we should all say in verse 21 for me to live is Christ and to die is gain to the world nothing sounds more stranger, stranger because the only thing to live is gain living is gaining living is success living is getting more stuff living is more things and death is lost but in a Christian in the gospel Paul knew that Christ has saved him from the wrath of God that he knew that Jesus pulled him from a life that was all about him to a life all about Christ that Christ lived a perfect life devoted to God and laid his life down as a substitute that he took the death that we deserved and that three days later he rose again that those who repent and believe on Jesus would be given forgiveness of sins and that he would restore them to God and this life in Christ then allows a believer to live in the world 100% for God Life can't be about more wealth or comfort or job anymore. It's about Christ and his gain. Dying is immediately in the presence of the one you're living for. And that joy that we have as a Christian, the joy right now that you have in comfort in this, uh, is that the worst that this world can do to you is the best thing that can ever happen to you. The worst thing that can ever happen to you is in this world is someone to kill you and take you away. But the best thing that would be is that we step in and enter heaven welcomed by the person we gave our entire life to, Jesus. What a reward. When we understand our suffering and perspective in this way, we can't be thankful, but to see in suffering there's even victory. The great... British Prime Minister Winston Churchill as he led during World War II he knew that the Germans and the Japanese and, and all of the, uh, the evil forces were coming against the world and he begged and pleaded for America to come in and it, over and over again hoping for help but it wasn't until a day that we remember as a country next month Pearl Harbor when the Japanese obliterated and struck at us in a way that even chills us to today even in the midst of that suffering Winston Churchill heard about this and phoned uh, Roosevelt to ask if it was true Mr. President is this what happened in Japan FDR 
affirmed and responded that it had to be true. Churchill wrote that even in the midst of that suffering that he hated for his friends and his country, he had, he had greatest joy he had ever had. Why? Because he knew they were going to be victorious. Because he knew now America would join the fight and there was no stopping them. He said and wrote, being saturated and satiated with emotion and sensation, I went to bed and slept the sleep of the saved and thankful. Because he knew there was victory. Friends, in the midst of our suffering, we can have the same peace because we know God holds our future. And there is victory. Friend, if you're not a Christian, can I ask, what are you living for? Is it something that will give you joy in the midst of suffering? Is it worth dying for? Is it what you're willing to die for? Is it bringing you joy? Is it bringing the satisfaction that it promised? Or is it just bringing grief and anxiety because you know it's so easy to lose? I encourage you to, to maybe instead of looking to those things, look to a joy that cannot be stolen away from you in Christ. I would love to meet with you after the service and talk to you about putting your faith in Jesus and giving everything to Jesus. Because in that, you will know that Christ holds your future. And can I tell you, brother Christian, sister Christian, Aren't you tired of trying to control the whole world? Aren't you tired of the whole, the anxiety that you feel? Aren't you done with being overwhelmed of trying to maintain some sort of hope and semblance of this life? Friends, we can't control the next 10 minutes. We can't control what happens in our life and the good news is we don't have to because God holds the future in his hands in Jesus Christ God has secured an incredibly rich and good future for his children and that's why Paul can say whether I stay in prison whether I come to you, whether I die, God holds my future. Having God in your perspective drains the anxiety out of your future. It drains the fear out of your suffering because you know the future is in God's hands. And God has demonstrated his love for you in Jesus Christ. Third and finally, you can have joy in suffering as you live worthy of the gospel. Verse 27, just one thing, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then whether I come to see you or I am absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit of one accord, contending together for the faith in the gospel, not being frightened in any way of your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, of your salvation, and this is from God. 
for it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf. Not only do you, you believe in him, but also you suffer for him. Since you are engaged in the same struggle that you saw that I had, and now hear that I have. Very quickly, Paul says that we find joy when we do one thing, live a life worthy of Christ. We know that we did not, we're not good enough to receive the gospel. We know that we cannot earn the gospel. The gospel came out of grace, a free gift to us by God's love for us. John 1, 12 through 13 says, But all who died received him and gave them the right of becoming children of God so that those who believe in his name who were born not of natural descent nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God. And if we know that this is not something that we deserve but were received, then we should live a life worthy of what we've received. Now, every four years, Lord help us, next year we'll be voting for a president. And we know that no matter the party, no matter the person, no matter who that thing, that, that thing, <laughs> uh, no matter who they are and what you agree with, what they do, you, one thing we want is for them to act and behave worthy of the role they're in. Why? Because they didn't earn it. They didn't get it. It was given to them. The people of the United States voted for them to be there. So we said no matter what, we definitely might not disagree with what they do with it, but they should at least live and act worthy of it. Friend, in the same way, we have been given a life in Christ that we need to live a life honoring the blood spilt for our forgiveness of sin. Therefore, Paul tells us to live a life worthy and we will find joy in these things in two ways. Quickly, one, that we live in unity together, working together for the gospel. This is the positive that he says, I want you to stand for the faith. Contend for the faith. Be strong. Keep going. Contend in one spirit. During suffering, what can happen to God and his, God's people? They disunify. They crack. They attack each other. You know, one of the hardest things for me as a pastor is when I hear of a brother or sister in Christ who are in struggles, and then the last time we hear about it is they've already fallen into the ditch because they didn't come and press into the relationship with other believers. They didn't come in and press in with the church. They didn't come in and press in for unity of the faith. They let the suffering overwhelm them instead of contending for what God calls us to do. And that, brothers and sisters, when we come together encouraging one another in unity and love for one faith, one Lord, one salvation, together as one people, that brings us joy. But also, Paul says, that we need to be in joy and that we also actually, uh, that we need to understand that joy is going to come through us suffering for Jesus. <laughs> Boy, how we wish that wasn't there. 
And if we had a different philosophy, if we had a different understanding of Scripture, we had the Jeffersonian model that we take out and cut out the ways that we don't agree with, this may be the section that we cut out. I don't want to suffer. I don't want this. But Paul says that when you do so, you, it is coming from God. That God is telling you that giving you this suffering for a reason, for the advancement of the gospel, for your own discipline, for your own maturity, I mean, your own maturity, for, for different reasons. God is bringing you this suffering, and he's meaning it not for, to harm you, but for your good. And to also see that even in this opposition and being mocked and insulted or ignored, that Christ and God is near. So we understand that we are joyous even in suffering, that we push forward together for the cause of Christ, that we live in a manner worthy of the gospel, that we stand against external conflict together, that we stand together striving side by side without fear as full recipients of his grace, but also of suffering because this is worthy of the gospel. And this is full citizenship in heaven. We need to be reminded that even in these things, joy is ours. That we remain faithful even during suffering. When they were little, one of my children, and I don't remember who, but they, there was something, another to, one toy was stuck in the other toy. And, and uh, you know, kids look for something it could be as big as this thing where's the pulpit I don't know where is it right in front of you look up where where's the pulpit I mean that's how they that's how my three-year-old looks for things right now and I say hey that toy is in the other toy look in the car look in there and this is how they look they, they get it they go like this where is it you know often we do that with our suffering we bring our suffering so near that's all we can see. And what we really need to do is to bring it back and allow the perspective of the gospel to let us see what it really is. Often when we are suffering and pain, we're holding it so close that we can't see God at work or what he's doing. And we certainly don't get to have joy when we do that. But it is possible, brothers and sisters, it is sure for us to have joy when we see the gospel in our suffering. I pray this for you and for me. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us to see our suffering in the midst of the gospel, that we might have perspective of what you are doing Help us to be faithful with the gospel message even in the midst of suffering, even though that we're tempted to only talk about us, only to talk about our pain, to only talk about the things that are bad. May we salt our conversations with the good news of Jesus so that others might now know how great you are. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we go through suffering that we help to see the future holds that we know that, you, that we are in your hands. And may God we know and live a life worthy of you. 
God, I pray for those who are here that do not know you, that don't understand the gospel, that have not been saved. I pray today they would call out to, the, to you and be saved. Today, we're reminded of the greatness of Jesus. We're thankful that you are there, even in the midst of suffering. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, this hymn that we know well prays that Jesus would keep us near his cross. And that is where our brother and our Savior suffered alongside of us and for us. So let's stand to our feet and let's make that our prayer that we would suffer well behind the example of our Savior Jesus.
interesting. Let's be seated and watch this video. Kentucky Baptists are together for the mission to take the gospel around the world. Greetings from London, England. My name is Nathan McBroom. Nathan and Abigail McBroom and their children have been on the mission field for more than 14 years. I'm originally from Bullock County and my wife is originally from uh, Versailles, Woodford County area. And uh, we are so thankful to be able to represent the uh, churches in Kentucky, uh, Southern Baptist churches there in Kentucky and all over our convention. The McBrooms are sharing the gospel among the Chinese people in England after being kicked out of China two years ago. It is a great honor and privilege to be able to represent the Lord Jesus and the churches of the Southern Baptist Convention uh, here in the United Kingdom. And we are so thankful to God uh, for your support and your prayers. Uh, it is just a true honor and joy. They're among the more than 6,000 missionaries and their families sharing the gospel across the globe, all fueled by the generous giving of Kentucky Baptists through the cooperative program. A missionary presence is how the gospel gets communicated. As we communicate the gospel, we communicate God's solution to the world's greatest problem, which is spiritual lostness. Former Kentucky pastor and KBC executive director Paul Chitwood leads this massive Great Commission effort. Your faithful giving through the cooperative program and the Lottie Moon Christmas offering are making it possible for more than 3,500 IMB missionaries and their 2,700 kids to be a sustained presence among the nations. Please pray for us as we continue to do evangelism and discipleship and uh, theological training among both Chinese peoples here in the United Kingdom and continued relationships with uh, uh, gospel uh, partners in China. Thanks to your giving through the cooperative program, missionaries such as the McBrooms can focus on ministry, not money. I want to again say thank you for making that possible. And may God continue to use you and us to make his name known among the nations. Thank you so much for your prayers and we uh, praise the Lord uh, for uh, the Kentucky Baptist and for your partnership in the gospel. Thank you so much. God bless you. So we are thankful to be a part of the network of churches of Southern Baptists. We participate in the cooperative program every dollar given. There's a portion given that is uh, pushed forward to both the state and to international missions and uh, North American missions. And so we're thankful to be a part that we can do more together for the gospel throughout the world uh, as working together with other churches. A couple of things before we... Uh, go to our time of offering. If you want to prepare for that, uh, you can do so by giving in person now or electronically through the QR code that's in front of you or will be on the screen here in just a few minutes. But a couple announcements. First of all, guests, again, we're glad that you're here. Make sure we connect with you. We want to connect with you. Uh, we want to show you how to get take your next step in Christ. Maybe it's through a life group, uh, a D group with other believers so that you can grow in Christ. Uh, or maybe go on one of our mission trips in many different ways, you can, uh, we want to help you and connect you to other believers here at Hebron Baptist Church. So the first and next step for you is to go to the Next Steps desk, which is through the double doors to the immediate left. Uh, make sure that your Connect card is filled out, or if you want to fill one out there, uh, do so today. Today we will be going to Gospel Every Home 4 to 6. Uh, we look forward to uh, uh, advancing the gospel by going door to door in, in our area. Uh, we've moved up through uh, to the uh, 
beyond the interstate. So we're looking forward. We hope that you can come today, that we can have many teams go out and share the hope of Jesus. Next weekend is a big weekend for us. On Friday night is a movie night. Uh, it'll start at 7 o'clock out on the lawn. Let's pray for the weather. Uh, because we hope we're going to do a lot of different cool things. We're going to have fire pits and s'mores and a bunch of other things uh, because it's a little bit cooler. So we hope that we can do that next Friday night. If it rains, we will be having the event. We will be moving it indoors, and so not the fire pits, uh, for those of you worrying about that. Uh, but you can uh, come, and we'll still have a great time. Please bring someone along. Also that night, there's a big event going on across the street. So if you know someone who's going to that, say, hey, go to the trunk or treat first and then come to our movie night. You can eat the candy that you get across the street uh, and then eat it during the movie. So that's, that's the way that you work that. But also, we will have our trunk or treat next Sunday from 4 to 6. Uh, I, was, uh, I hope that uh, we, we've seen a lot of people volunteer already. If you have not volunteered, we, I would love to have four more cars by the end of the day that we can have next week for our trunk or treat to hand out candy uh, please sign up and then we'll give you the instructions next week next week and what to do uh, i was in a meeting this week and unbeknown really with no push someone spoke up in the meeting in our community and said Hebron Baptist Church has great trunk or treat. You should go there. So, so uh, that's a, a credit to you all uh, who are creative, not for me, but uh, creative for you all uh, to being a part of this. Uh, another thing, uh, oh, Mark, can you come up to the microphone real quick? Uh, uh, spiritual Warfare Conference is in two weeks. And guys, I'm telling you, I hope that you understand what an opportunity this is to hear from Chuck Lawless. Uh, part of Mark's train, uh, schooling is dealing with spiritual warfare in missions context. What is it that we said this week about like Chuck Lawless's expertise so in this field? His PhD dissertation is on, was on spiritual warfare. He's literally written a textbook that's quickly becoming the spiritual warfare textbook in seminaries and Bible colleges. So I mean, he is a world expert, one of the very few sort of Protestant, much less Baptist. Um, and, and theologically conservative people speaking on the subject. So, I mean, he's pretty much the world expert on the subject. So, friends, you can't go anywhere else to hear this. This is a, he's not coming the next week, and he's not coming next year. We don't have anybody else that's going to come that has, has such expertise in that. So if you want to know about spiritual warfare, please come 4 to 6 on November 5th. Uh, child care will be provided, but you need to sign up. There's been electronic links in, sent out, uh, and so you can sign up there, and I w uh, w we'll have a couple weeks, but please make plans to be there and bring someone along. And we're inviting the association and other people, so we hope to have a good crowd uh, on that Sunday night. Uh, if you are interested in wanting to know more about Hebron Baptist Church, our Starting Point New Members class is starting the same morning at 9 o'clock and it goes for three Sundays. So if you want to know more about Hebrew Baptist Church, how you can plug in, what's the vision, what's the history, all those things, come for a starting point new members class. Go to the Next Steps desk today to sign up. We will provide child care for that as well, but we need to know, and there's some stuff that you need to fill out, so please go do that today. Also, you cannot leave today uh, without uh, getting coats for kids. Uh, please take a leaf off the tree. We have a couple of more that need to be... Uh, taken off. Take a leaf, go over to the page, write down that you're taking it, and then go get that 
coat and bring it back next Sunday in a plastic bag wrapped up. You don't need a gift bag. You don't need to wrap it. You don't need to do anything. Just put it in a plastic bag and bring it back next Sunday. So this is your warning. Don't put it off. Grab it while you go today and bring it back next Sunday. And also, those that are left over, our WMU have to go and buy those. So help them out. But also, if you don't have time to go shopping for it, you can give them money to do that as well. CK, K-Wave over there. CK, and you can give her money to go shopping for those as well. Okay, that's all I've got. I think I'm going to go through my list. All right, that's it. It's our time for our offering. Is another way to worship, so let's do that this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for an opportunity to worship you through song, through prayer. And God, I pray this morning that as we gather together, that we give out of a generous spirit, just like you call us to give, I pray, Lord, that you would do much with it to advance the gospel, the kingdom, and to bless the world. We ask from the generosity that you would give more so that we could be more generous. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yo 